The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It is a Monday edition of PFTPM. Shereen Williams, Mike Florio here with you. 11 Sundays in the books. Week 11 concludes tonight with the Rams at the Buccaneers, a key NFC game. We'll get you ready for that. We'll go over all of the important news of the day, Shireen, and here we are just three days from Thanksgiving, and there's still plenty of news happening in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, Mike. When will it go away? I wish we didn't have the COVID news, unfortunately, but it seems like a daily occurrence, and we're going to continue to talk about this. Well, and we have to because it affects not just whether or not games will be played, but whether or not teams will be at full strength. And we begin with what is the premier game for Thanksgiving. All due respect to the Texans and the Lions and Washington and the Cowboys, although the the tryptophan bowl first place became much more interesting after both Washington and Dallas won on Sunday. But the game that was the main course for Thanksgiving night now undermined by the news that the Ravens have a couple of players who have tested positive. Running back Mark Ingram, running back J.K. Dobbins. The chances of either of them being back for Thursday night, minuscule because they've tested positive. It's one thing to be placed on the COVID-19 reserve list because of close contact with someone. You can come off of that in two days. We saw that happen with Vikings fullback C.J. Ham. In as few as two days, it's five days after your last exposure to someone who's positive. But if you're positive, you're not getting back that quickly so people are thinking well will the game be postponed could they play it on Sunday could they play it on Monday no the NFL's approach has become and I think it started with the Buccaneers Raiders game several weeks back get the games in you're down a guy call a man up you need a guy sign somebody find somebody you have to be ready to go it's on you to field a team and if you're down one guy five guys 10 guys. I don't know what the critical mass would be. We haven't seen more than six or seven. And usually guys who are gone in bulk, a lot of them come back anyway, Shireen. But the NFL has determined they're going to get the games played. So even without Mark Ingram, even without J.K. Dobbins, hey, you still have Gus Edwards. You still have whoever else may be on your roster. You can call guys up. You can sign somebody. You can go get Ray Rice again if you need to. Whatever it takes, You have to field a team. You have to be ready to go. We are getting this game in. We are not going to vacate that window. We are not going to be in a position where we have to pay back NBC the value of having that game to a captive audience on Thursday night, period. Hey, play Lamar Jackson at running back. Play RG3 at running back. You have Justice Seal. You have uh, Gus Edwards. Go play with with what you have. And that is kind of their approach, Mike. But it it just seems like we're just right on that edge right now of having to go to a Week 18. Uh, We're just so close. I mean, every day guys go on, and, and it's guys testing positive. It's not just close contacts. It is guys testing positive. And we know from the general population that people are testing positive, the numbers are spiking, and Thanksgiving is coming, and it's just going to escalate. 
And Roger Goodell sent out a memo last week warning that Thanksgiving week was crucial, and it is crucial for the NFL. And I'm not going to be surprised, Mike, if in the next two to three days, the NFL is very concerned right now, but if in the next two or three days they don't tighten things up at facilities even more than what they are now. We know the whole NFL is on this intensive protocol approach to things at the facility, but you still have people in there, business people, the media still goes in, uh, the PR people are still in that building. They're going to tighten this thing up in the coming days and just say essential personnel need to be in the buildings. That's all. That's the only people allowed in the buildings. Yeah, and they already are ratcheting things up by putting every team in the enhanced protocols that had been hatched for only teams that were having issues. I, I'm with you. They're going to keep making it harder and harder to get in. They're going to keep doing what they can to keep people separate when they're in there. You have to assume that everyone else has it. That needs to be the mindset. That's the only way to ensure that the guys who inevitably will get it won't take others down with them, period. And, of course, now we have another test case of whether or not the virus can be transmitted on game days out in the open, whether it's to other players on the sideline. And, you know, it's been several weeks now that the NFL has strongly encouraged physical distancing, mask wearing when on the sidelines. And you will see countless times in every game, guys sitting elbow to elbow when they're not on the field, guys with no masks, guys with masks serving as a jowls catcher, guys with masks that are drooping down so their nose is exposed, so you may as well not have one on at all. What's the point? They're not complying. And then on the field, you can't comply. Titans again, back on watch for whether or not they may have had some sort of exposure and ultimately have guys on their defense to, who test positive because of Mark Ingram and specifically J.K. Dobbins, who's emerged as the, the lead running back. So they're not out of the woods there. They're not out of the woods when it comes to the people showing up at the facility every day. And the danger this week, and I saw Bruce Arians talking about it this week, where if you're going to have people in town for the holidays, get them tested too. No! Don't have people in town for the holidays. And and that that's the thing. The CDC can repeat the mantra until they are blue in the face. No one, I don't want to say no one, some are, but the people who are hell-bent on living their lives and throwing caution to the wind, they're going to have people in town. They're going to continue to not care about it. And that's where we have to worry about next week and the week after. You know, if the NFL can hold it together through Thanksgiving, that's hardly the end of it. We have to see how the incubation period from this weekend plays out into next week, Shereen. Yeah, that's absolutely right, Mike. And you have to be careful with having people over because unless you're being tested every day, a negative test tells you nothing. I mean, you look at what happened in the game yesterday with Dobbins and Ingram. They tested negative, but then their day of the game test came back positive today. So they didn't know they had it yesterday, but they did. And they still played. And Dobbins played 41 snaps and Ingram played six snaps and they were out on the field. And the NFL continues to insist that it cannot be transmitted on the field. They do not believe it can be transmitted on the field from player to player. And as you said, Mike, this is being tested out. Again, we have another test case. So far, their, their theory has proved to be true. We don't know of a case that ha has happened on the field between players. 
But you're right, they have to do a better job on the sidelines and everywhere else they are of wearing masks. And I do see more compliance, but it's not full compliance. And until you get full compliance, until you have players doing the right things, not having family in town, all those sorts of things, this is going to continue to be a, a daily news item. Who's going on the list today? Yeah, at one point, the CDC revised its guidelines from 15 consecutive minutes in the presence of others to a cumulative 15 minutes of being around someone else. The viral load is part of this. And that's why the NFL became concerned a couple of weeks ago about sideline, because you are in close contact with teammates and coaches on the sideline for a far greater time than you are actually in close contact with opponents during a game to the point where the droplets are in the air and they are invading your eyes and your nose. That's the primary pathway. That's the primary area of concern. Sidelines, a far less safe place. Actually, in all of football, the safest place very well may be the playing field on game day. It's everywhere else where you can have the transmission. Sidelines, locker rooms, meeting rooms, airplanes, buses, etc. And that's what they've been dealing with. They've held it together. It's been four weeks now since a game was even adjusted. That Buccaneers-Raiders game went from prime time to late afternoon just for fear that, that it would be derailed. We've seen an end to doubleheaders on Monday Night Football. We saw one Tuesday night game because they just want to get the games in. And if you are down a man or two or three at a position, it's up to you to go out there and get guys who can come in and get it done. So I think they will play Thursday night. But now the Ravens, who are desperate for a victory, are going to have a harder path to beating the Steelers. And I know, Shereen, that three weeks and one day ago after they played the Steelers, there was a strong belief within the Ravens organization that they kicked the four-letter word starting with S and ending with it out of the Steelers. Well, they still lost, and since then they've lost two more, and this Ravens team is kind of wobbling on the edge of the cliff right now. This could be the thing that pushes them off. Yeah, Mike, this is my the team I picked to win the Super Bowl for the season, unfortunately. I know you picked the Bucs. I had the Bucs going in the NFC, but they, to me, don't even look like a playoff team. Forget a Super Bowl team. They don't look like a playoff team, and they are desperate for a win. And if they're going to stay in the playoff race, they have to win this game. And I don't know how they're going to do it. Uh, against this Steelers defense, which we know is so very good. Uh, Lamar Jackson is going to have to take a lot on his shoulders, and he's going to have to play much, much better than he has at all this season. He needs to play like he did last season if they're even going to have a chance to stay with the Steelers. The Steelers are playing at a different level. And Mike, going into this year, we talked about COVID being a huge factor. The team that had the fewest COVID cases that could stay the healthiest and stay COVID-free was the team that probably was going to win the Super Bowl. And you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers and what they've managed to do health-wise and COVID-wise, and that's why they are where they are, or a big reason why they are where they are. And I really wish that the two sides, management and labor, would decide simultaneously we just need to put everyone in hotels for the rest of the regular season and then for the 14 teams that make it to the playoffs for the rest of the postseason. Because this same concern we have now about Thanksgiving gatherings resulting in a delayed reaction rash of of positive cases and potential outbreaks, Shereen, we're going to be having that same conversation 
when Christmas rolls around, it's going to be the same issue. People coming in town, people being around other people, just kind of being loose and celebratory and maybe a little eggnog and maybe a little wine and maybe a little of both. And that's when people start to drop their protective shield that will keep them from from getting too close to somebody, getting themselves exposed. And then we could have outbreaks happen just as the playoffs are unfolding. So it, it needs to be an area of concern. And the sooner they get everybody in hotels, the better off they will be. And yes, this is an advantage for the Steelers. And the Steelers have had their issues, but not like some of these other teams. And now the Ravens dealing with a major issue as they try to avoid falling to 6-5 and five, from 14-2 and two last year to 6-4 and four this year. And we saw the schedule. They get past the Steelers. If they can find a way to win it, and they are going to be very desperate, and they're going to be dangerous. Any, any NFL team is more dangerous when desperate. On the other end of it, there are some winnable games there. And it's weird to think right now the Browns are ahead of the Ravens in the division because the Ravens beat the Browns 38-6 to to start the season. But look at that. Cowboys, Browns, Jaguars, Giants, Bengals. Even if they lose to the Steelers and fall to 6-5, and 11-5 and isn't out of the question. And 11-5, and even though it kept the Patriots out in 2008, when there were six teams in the postseason field in the AFC, you would think 11-5 and five would get the Ravens in. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. And if they are on a five-game winning streak or a six-game winning streak going in the postseason, I think you like their chances a lot better than them winning one and losing two and whatever the case may be. But they've got to get on a winning streak, and it needs to start now. And they really do need to beat the Steelers. But if they don't, you're right. they still got a good chance to make the postseason based on that schedule, especially with what's happened with the Bengals at the quarterback position and other things like that. But they do need to get on a roll here pretty quickly to stay in this thing. Right now, the Baltimore Ravens and the Miami Dolphins would be on the outside looking in. And look at the Browns at 7-3. and three. And they should finish 10-6. and six. Maybe better. Maybe they beat the Ravens. Who knows? It's ugly. It's not inspiring. It's not exciting. But it's effective and good for the Cleveland Browns. And we're happy for the folks in Cleveland. Minnesota is another area of COVID-19 concern. Just this afternoon, Adam Thielen, star receiver, who had a couple of touchdowns yesterday. He's had one-handed catches galore. Lately, he is on the COVID-19 reserve list, which is unfortunate for a Vikings team that I think is now down to its last chance. Got to run the table to, to, to even have an opportunity to get in in the NFC. I don't think 9-7 and seven is going to do it this year. Too many good teams in the NFC, especially in the NFC West. And also the Bears have placed Eddie Jackson on the reserve COVID-19 list. So uh, th- this is just a constant stream. It's nonstop. It's going to be this way. We've come to accept it. We're numb to it. There is that difference, though, between a positive which is definitely going to knock you out for a week or longer, and the close contact exposure, which you could be back in a day or two, you could be back in five days, who knows. But this is just part of the reality for the NFL. We have grown accustomed to it, and we just deal with it. It affects teams strategically, but they're going to do everything they can to keep it from canceling games. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. And Eddie Jackson was a close contact, so good chance he could be back on Sunday if he continues uh, to test negative. We don't know about Adam Thielen, but there is a big difference between testing positive uh, and being in close contact. And so we have seen some of these close contacts. They won't get to practice like the Raiders. We've seen a bunch of these cases with the Raiders. They don't get to practice but they do get to come back and play in the game. And, and that'll affect some of them, and some of them it won't. I thought the Raiders played pretty well defensively despite not having all those guys out there yesterday. Of course, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes, but I don't know that practice would have changed what happened at the end of that game last night.
night. And I thought they played relatively well against the, the Chiefs overall, despite not having practice for most of those starting defensive players. The most depressing development out of Sunday, the injury to Joe Burrow. If you haven't seen the video of it, don't go looking for it. it it's obvious. The camera moves away because he throws the ball, but you can see just enough of the blow to his leg and the way the leg bends to know that it's a serious knee injury. MRI shows that he suffered, as expected, a torn ACL, also a torn MCL, and other knee damage, which means a delicate and sensitive surgery, a concern after surgery for infection. And I vividly recall when Tom Brady had his knee surgery in 2008, he had infection issues for much of that year as he was recovering. And also the later into the year that you suffer that torn ACL, the more challenging it is, Shireen, to get ready for the next year. He surely won't be involved in off-season workouts. Will he be ready in time for training camp? Will he be ready in time for the regular season? And meanwhile, it's Ryan Finley and Brandon Allen as the options for the Cincinnati Bengals and not a lot of other guys out there available. And we all have come to accept the reality that no one is going to call Colin Kaepernick because no one at this point would choose having a more competitive quarterback over making whatever stupid-ass point the NFL's teams continue to try to make. All due respect. <laughs> yeah, they placed Burrow on injury reserve this afternoon, Mike, and they did call up Brandon Allen, so it's going to be Ryan Finley and Brandon Allen, and they're not going to be very competitive the rest of the way. And, you know, Joe Burrow, frankly, was the one reason you wanted to watch the Bengals, and I thought they were a different team and competitive despite their record. I mean, I wanted to see what he was going to do and how he was going to develop, and, and they were fun to watch uh, with him at quarterback. And now the Bengals have turned back into the Bengals. The clock has struck midnight uh, and, and the slipper is off, and this is a team that I don't want to see much the rest of the season. I don't see much of a reason uh, to watch them, and they're going to end up with a high pick, frankly, and, and maybe in long term this helps them. But, you know, you worry about him, as you said, Mike, that later in the season it happens, like Carson Wentz has happened late in the season when he had his knee injury, and, uh, you know, who knows if that's affecting him and the way he's playing now, but it, it certainly took a while for him to get back as opposed to Tom Brady, who's happened in week one, and he was able to get back. But, you know, you want that rookie quarterback to have an offseason, and we don't know if it's going to be a normal offseason or not. We don't know what the spring holds, uh, but it would have been good for him to get practice time with his receivers and do things that you do in an, in an offseason if they were able to do that next offseason, and he's going to lose that entirely for, for what Whatever they're able to do. And speaking of Carson Wentz, another Carson who played for the Bengals, Carson Palmer, 2005 postseason, first throw of the game. Kimo von Olhoffen came in low, came in hot before it was a penalty. And it's that plant leg. And I recall in 2006 when Carson Palmer was in the process of recovering, one of the big hurdles for him was mental. Because every time you go to throw, you have that left leg out there exposed and you need to be not. And he and the quote was he was seeing ghosts around his leg. He was worried about someone slamming into that leg. And again, the rules are different. That doesn't give Joe Burrow a whole lot of solace. He's going to have to have a big brace on that knee just to give him some peace of mind. And he's going to have to develop that swagger, that belief. You know, he had that that air of invincibility where 
I'm going to go do what I'm going to do, and I'm not worried about getting hurt. Well, that changes now, and there's a certain amount of it that he needs to accept. He needs to understand he's vulnerable to potential injury, but at the same time, he needs to get to the point where he can confidently step forward with that left leg and throw the football, or it's going to affect his accuracy and his development. Cam Newton has had his development, at least in New England, slowed down this year by his COVID diagnosis. He was on WEEI's Greg Hill Show earlier today. Here he is when he was asked if he has interest in staying with the Patriots beyond the expiration of his contract at the conclusion of this season. I don't know if you've had a chance to think about it yet, but do you do you have interest in being a Patriot in 2021? <laughs> Man, I have interest in, in, in winning the Arizona Cardinals game. How about that? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many things that, that I mean, I, I don't want to even harp or dwell or even think. I think my, 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 as the Bible says, my cup is runneth over us, you know, with just trying to focus on, you know, the, the, the near future rather than the far future. It's a lot of Fs there. Cuppeth runneth over it. I don't think that's quite the quote, but it's close enough, Shireen. I guess when in doubt, just add a TH to the end of every word in the quote. But look, this isn't quite a situation where anything other than a yes is a no. But it is curious that he wouldn't say, I love it here and I want to stay here and we'll see how it goes. If they'll have me, I'd like to be here. It, it, and, and part of it's negotiating ploy. And with Bill Belichick, you always have to be aware of that. One of the theories that Chris Sims has this year is Bill Belichick is intentionally holding back J.C. Jackson. He wasn't on the Pro Bowl ballot. He's technically not a starter because they don't want to have to pay him a ton of money. So that's part of this. But I, I was a little surprised that it wasn't more of a, yeah, I like it here and we're trying to build something that really didn't come across. No, it didn't, Mike. And he's on a one-year deal. And you look at what he's done this season, four touchdowns, seven interceptions. His passer rating is 27th in the NFL. And you wonder, who is going to give him a chance? If it's not the Patriots, who gives him a chance? And I don't know the answer to that because when when the Panthers cut him in March, it was all the offseason until the end when the Patriots finally gave him a chance. And, you know, you do wonder who is going to sign him if it's not the Patriots next year. And you also wonder, is it time for the Patriots to play Jarrett Stidham to see what they have in him, to see if they need to go address the quarterback position he was supposed to be the guy coming to the year before they signed Cam Newton, uh, and he hasn't done it. He hasn't gotten too much of a chance. Maybe it's time to go play Jarrett Stidham and see what you have in him and just make sure you don't have something in him you didn't know that you need to go find a quarterback in the offseason. Something the New England Patriots haven't done since the 2000 season when they finished 5-11. and Playing out the string and having strategic objectives unrelated to making it to the playoffs and getting the highest possible seed. Weird times indeed for the Patriots. All right, let's take a break. When we return, a mashup of my postgame conversations with Saints quarterback Taysom Hill and Titans receiver A.J. Brown. We'll do that next here on PFT PM. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. 
Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Taysom, how are you, man? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing great. Congratulations. It was great to see you play today. When when did you know you were going to be the starter? Um, I had a pretty good idea. Monday? Monday night? What What did Coach tell you? Well, I didn't talk to Coach. Um, didn't talk to Coach, but had a few, few conversations with um, my position coach and um, yeah, I knew I was going to go early in the week. What was the best advice you got this week, and who was it from? Hmm, great question. Uh, man, I, I think um, – I'm trying to think. I, I think I spent so much time with Drew this week preparing for the game, um, and, and he was was so great. Um, I, I would say maybe the best advice that I received was, you know, being patient, letting the game come to you, and uh, uh, not feeling that that I need to press in any way and uh, make the plays when they come your way. What grade would you give yourself for today? Um, <laughs> I I don't know. I haven't seen the film yet. Um, at, at first glance, honestly, I, I was happy with the game. You know, I'm disappointed. Um, of the fumble um, and I feel like that was my, my biggest indicator you know going into the game is make sure man we take care of the ball and overall we did that and again I was disappointed on the uh, the fumble that I had uh, so so maybe a B, B plus um, with that What did Sean have to say to you afterward? You know he didn't have to say anything he he uh, he was the, the second person I saw as I got in the locker room after Mrs. Benson. And uh, Sean just came and gave me a big hug. What did Mrs. Uh, Benson say? She just said she's so proud of me. And uh, I don't know if you know Mrs. Benson, but she's she's the greatest. Um, gave me a big hug and a, and a kiss on the cheek. And, and uh, man, I felt a lot of love and support from everyone inside this building um, and, and so many outside as well. And I'm sorry I interrupted you. What did Sean say after he came over and gave you a hug? Oh, he just gave me a, he just gave me a big hug. Just gave me a big hug and said congrats. And 
that that was that was it. Give me the one thing that you'll remember above all else 50 years from now about your first start in the NFL. Man, I will say just just the the love that I felt from those closest to me. It it's been uh, overwhelming in a in a very positive way. The number of texts, the number of people that have reached out to me, saying prayers for me, and my family. Um, it's been a very humbling week in that in that regard, and uh, I'll, I'll remember remember all that. I'll remember all the conversations and um, that I had with, with my teammates in, in the locker room after. AJ, Mike Florio here. How are you, pal? How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I appreciate some of your time. I know it's a crazy day. Uh, I, I have to ask you first and foremost about that play where you make the catch and you were not going to be denied the touchdown. Walk me through what happened there. Um, I was just trying to – I had a slant route, and I was, and I was just I – knew, I, I knew we needed the first down. It was 30 10 and all that. <clears throat> he kind of stopped my momentum. The Serbia kind of stopped my momentum, and I just kind of went with you uh, to try to just throw him off a little bit. <clears throat> and then the rest, I was just really just trying to get a first down. And uh, my teammates came to help me out, uh, pushed me in the back, and uh, – Threw guys off, threw a couple guys off me, and and uh, they pushed me in the back, and I was in the end zone. What was it that happened before the game? Uh, you know, guys just guys just tripping, and uh, the coach and, and the coach just came over there, and then and I was like, "Is he really?" <laughs> and, you know, I was just in the way. I was I was, the, I was uh, in the wrong place at the wrong time. I was trying to keep the peace. You know, because um, they're coaches, not like they're players, but I was just trying to keep everybody calm and separate everybody and uh, get ready to play. So, I mean, things were heated. How, how did it all get started? I We only saw so much of it on TV. You had guys out on their logo. Is that what ticked them off? Um, I, I really don't know. Uh, I think some words were said, and, he, and, they, and they said some words back, and they, they kind of rushed the field like they were players, you know. They, they definitely set the tone of the game. They said, that's what they People will say that once the game starts, none of that stuff means anything. Did any of that carry over? Almost oh, definitely. Most definitely. There was a lot of choking going on. Um, the intensity the, the of the game, they, they set the tone from the very from, from being out there, from, from doing doing the, just that. You know, they, they let alone just they told us what type of game it was going to be. It was going to be a physical game. I can't think of two teammates who entered the draft at the receiver position at the same time who have had more of an impact on the league than you and DK Metcalf. How often do you talk to him? Oh, we talk all the time. We talk all the time. We discuss. We discuss what's going on. And um, he's off to a really great start. Uh, he's doing really good right now. Uh, like we all, like we all talked about in the offseason, we all worked out together. So we kind of, we kind of talked about those things. You know, uh, he's 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 doing really well right now. And I'm proud of him. How much of what he's doing motivates you? Oh, most definitely. It's most definitely. I mean, we we both talk about uh, what we want to be in the, in his league, and, and so uh, uh, by him doing good, by him balling on Sundays, you know, it definitely gives me motivation to to match energy, you know, so we can sit down and talk about. It.
The new original series, Saved by the Bell, is coming to Peacock on November 25th. Bayside is back with new students, new stories, and some very familiar faces. Start streaming this Wednesday. Shereen, I will admit, I never watched the original Saved by the Bell, other than the scene where Jim Harbaugh <laughs> makes a cameo. And let me say this. Jim Harbaugh was rocking dad jeans long before he was a dad. So congratulations on that, Jim. And now he's gone from the jeans to the khakis, right? That's right. And 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 remember, once upon a time when he was doing some sort of recruiting thing or camp or whatever, it was shirtless with the khakis, which was a bold, bold look for a guy with the, despite being a professional athlete once upon a time, undeniable dad bod, Jim Harbaugh. All right, uh, let's get to... MPMQB, where we take a look at some of the more curious coaching decisions of the week that was. And this one was stunning to me. This one was the surprise. when And, and just so people understand how this works, Shireen, MDS, Josh Alper, and Curtis Crabtree and I communicate via text message who's basically calling the fly balls that are the stories we're going to write based on developments. And on Sundays, that's that to me is how I get my news of what's happening in the games. Somebody texts, hey, I, some, so-and-so got injured. So-and-so scored a touchdown. So-and-so did this. I get the text to a bench. To the bench, is he hurt? Nope, just benched. And he was removed yesterday for performance reasons. Ryan Fitzpatrick came in, didn't get the win for Miami. Miami is going to go back to Tuatonga-Vailoa on Sunday. Here's Coach Brian Flores from earlier today talking about the decision. I mean, look, I'm always going to try to do what I feel is, um, you know, best for the team in in, in a particular game, and that's kind of how we we felt um, yesterday. Um, and, And that's really it. Um, couldn't get into a rhythm really the majority of the first three quarters um, became a two-score game and we felt like we needed a spark and so we stuck fits in there and, and we felt like that was the best thing for for our team to try to, to win a ball game uh last night look to us you know he's a resilient kid i don't know if there's a message or anything to take from it is you know the same message the entire team gets. You know, we all have to do. We all have to play better. We've got to coach better. Uh, he's not in this alone. Um, he's got my full support. He's got the support of the, our coaching staff. He's got the support of everyone, every every player on in that locker room. Um, and conversely, he supports all the other players in, in the locker room as well. So I don't know if there's a message here, or you know, I don't want to. You know, make too much of this. He's the starting quarterback. I think he knows that. We've had that conversation. Um, he's played well. You know, and and you know he's gonna. I expect him to continue to play well. I expect him to bounce back. You know, Shereen, I understand everything that Brian Flores is saying, and he sounds a lot like Bill Belichick, whether he's trying to or not. What's best for the team? It's all about the team. We make decisions in the interest of the team. But there always has been, at the highest levels of football, specifically in the NFL, a sense that the starting quarterback is the guy who always stays in. He doesn't get pulled because he's not playing well. You wait for him to start playing better. You hope 
that he will start playing better. You do everything you can on the sideline between drives, whether it's the Microsoft Surface, whether it's whatever someone's noticing up above in the in the press box, watching the formations, anything and everything. Dig deep into the playbook. Maybe plays that weren't in the game plan. Let's do something to give this team a spark. That's typically what you do with a quarterback who isn't performing at the NFL level. You typically don't remove him. That undermines him. That makes it harder for him to lead. That makes it harder for him to understand where he fits. And it makes it harder for the locker room to follow him. It takes a little something off of how he is perceived among his teammates. Remember a few weeks ago, Cam Newton said that. The players talk. The players talk, and they're going to talk about Tua getting yanked, and I wonder what kind of damage that may do to Tua's ability to reach his ceiling going forward. So many questions, Mike, tons of them. And you kind of alluded to this earlier about when you texted, is he hurt? Is he just benched? And it did look like he took a really hard hit to that leg. I'm going to be curious on on Wednesday when the injury report comes out to see if he is on that because he did take a really hard hit on that leg. They briefly looked at him, and then he was just standing on the sideline. So it was obvious they said that he doesn't have an injury, that it was a benching. But did Brian Flores do this to try to preserve some amount of confidence uh, for Tua? He was taking a beating out there. He did not look good. And maybe it was a situation when he says, I don't want him to become David Carr. If you remember back to David Carr, just got pummeled his rookie year when he was thrown in. And I don't think he was the same quarterback after that. So maybe it was preservation for, for Tua for the long term. But here's the other question I have, Mike. If the Dolphins weren't in the playoff race, would they have kept two in the game? That, that's my main question. I don't know the answer to it, but I am curious if they would have left him in the game if they weren't in a race. Well, and it makes you wonder whether and to what extent Coach Flores will continue to flip that switch. And, and this is something we're not used to seeing in the NFL. I remember when Steve Spurrier was with Washington, I felt like he was toying with the idea of changing the mindset as it relates to quarterbacks, that you don't have one guy who is the guy, that you happily move back and forth between two. That's never taken root. It's never really worked. Maybe that's what the Dolphins are going to do this year when they see fit, when they think there is an opportunity to turn a victory into a defeat, or more accurately, a defeat into a victory. And you know what? I need to correct myself. The one time we saw it for a few weeks, 2000. And seven. Do you remember this? Kurt Warner, Matt Leinart, Dennis Green. He would put Kurt Warner in when the Cardinals would fall behind. Kurt Warner would pull them even, and then he'd put Matt Leinart back in. And then they'd fall behind, and Kurt Warner would go back into the game. And they did that until Leinart suffered, I believe, a broken collarbone, and that was that for Matt Leinart. But it's not an easy thing to do because – You really do. No matter your intention, no matter the goal, you really do make it harder for the quarterback to have the kind of leadership in the locker room that he needs to have. One, they have a competent starter behind him. That's part of the problem. Maybe problem isn't the right word. But, you know, if you're you're the Bengals, 
you're not going to put Ryan Finley in, right? You're going to leave Joe Burrow in there. But with the Dolphins and being in the midst of a race, you have Ryan Fitzpatrick sitting there, and it's 20-10, to 10, and your starting quarterback has thrown for 83 yards, and the only time you've scored a touchdown was on a, a defensive play that got you in the red zone and, and set you up for that touchdown or near the red zone to set you up for that touchdown. So that's part of it is there is a competent quarterback behind Tua that they can call on and then being in the playoff race too. But Mike, you and I have talked about this a lot too, and I think you ended up writing something on it. We're right to the point right now when Tua would have made his first start because the Dolphins' bye week was changed, and I think they had every intent to start him after the bye week against the Jets, and that bye week was changed, and they stuck with the plan even though the bye week was moved up, and he ended up starting against the Rams, played well, played well, played well enough uh, that, the, that they got the win over the Rams, and now here we are with Tua perhaps getting more experience than they intended for him to get this season. The Philadelphia Eagles technically remain in first place in the NFC East, but Carson Wentz has become a pincushion for local and national criticism, a far cry of the guy that he was three years ago when he was taking the league by storm in his second season. He was the original second-year quarterback to take the league by storm before Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray. It was Carson Wentz until the torn ACL. He is nothing like he was then. Here's Coach Doug Peterson this morning during his weekly visit to WIP Radio in Philadelphia. At that position, um, this late in the season, when that happens, sometimes people take that as – Okay, we're kind of looking into next year, or, 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 you know, preparing for next season, whatever it might be, and, and giving some of these young guys an opportunity to play. That's not the case. Jalen, Jalen is preparing himself each week to play, and and that's what a backup quarterback should do. My perspective is that we have to get it fixed with Carson Wentz, and we have to, we have to. That's where my trust and my faith lies, and, and we can get it done. And and so that's. That's where I'm at, but I, by no means am I saying that that um, I don't have trust or faith in Jalen. Um, it's it's a matter of having the, the getting the corrections done with Carson. Look, the reality for the Eagles is very simple. It's very clear. They've made their bed. They are now trying to fall asleep in it. They are trying to get the most out of Carson Wentz. They have no choice. They owe him 25 million, fully guaranteed for next year. They can't do anything with Carson Wentz unless they want to pay him to not play for them. They're not going to be able to trade him unless they do a Brock Osweiler type thing, pay part of the salary or throw in the draft pick with Carson Wentz and his contract. No one, especially next year, with a salary cap that's expected to be $175 million because of the pandemic, no one's going to take on that obligation of $25 million in cash to Carson Wentz, not based on how he's currently playing. And there's always someone out there who thinks I can fix a guy. I don't know that anyone is going to think they can fix Carson Wentz to the point where they would take on that big of an obligation. So they're stuck. They're stuck. Plain and simple. They have to make it work. They have a car that isn't running, and they can't trade it in. They've got to keep working on it. They got to change the tire. They got to put in a new alternator, whatever an alternator is. They got I know what an alternator is. They got they got to do whatever they I think. They have to do whatever they can to get the car running. Period. So th- there's no re- reason to even have the conversation, Shireen. They're stuck with the guy. They have to keep trying to make chicken salad.
Yeah, and you talk about fixing the problems, Mike. That was one thing that Doug Peterson said today. We feel like we can fix him. Well, if you feel like you can fix him, why haven't you fixed him yet? Because, I mean, we're, we're near the end of the season. We're past the halfway mark. If you're going to fix this guy, you better fix it now because you could win the NFC East and you're going to go get embarrassed in the first round of the playoffs and everybody's going to be saying the same thing they have continued to say about Carson Wentz. This is a guy who's never won a playoff game and perhaps will never win a playoff game for us. But he's under intense pressure now, and if he thinks that he's under intense pressure now, it's only going to be ratcheted up in the offseason when he goes into next year and they can't do anything with him. And you're right, they, they've made the bed, and this is what they have, and they better figure this out whatever way they have to figure it out, whether it's playing Jalen Hurts a little bit more and maybe some uh, Taysom Hill-type situations or whatever. And look, Doug Peterson is a creative mind. you got to figure it out. Even if it's throwing in trick plays like the Cowboys did against them with Ben DiNucci a few weeks ago, pulled out every stop, maybe it's that. Throw everything at them, including the kitchen sink. But they've got to figure something out if they're going to be a competent team heading into the postseason if they indeed win the NFC East. By the way, and far more importantly, Shireen, an alternator is a generator of electric power in a car, and it is a major component of the vehicle's charging system. All cars with an internal combustion engine, except for some hybrids, have an alternator. And I knew that. It's the thing that keeps your battery fully charged. It provides the power for your 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 radio and your speakers and everything else that's powered while the car is running. And there's a, it, 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 it basically runs on the power generated by the engine. To keep everything charged. See, I knew what an alternator was once I confirmed it via Google. Yeah. Thank you, Google. Let's take a break when we return. Thank you to the PFTPM Posse for some questions. We're going to answer them and get you ready for the Monday night showdown between the Los Angeles Rams and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll be right back. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. At Kyle Jolie-O, who has the most legitimate chance, Shireen, to win the NFC East? A question I pose to you while you have a Cowboys jersey hanging over your shoulder. (laughs) Does it matter, Mike? That would be my question. (laughs) I mean, these are four teams with three wins each. And I meant to look up what their record was. Somebody mentioned it yesterday. Their record was outside the division 
But let's just say it's not very good. Probably going to be the worst in NFL history. They can't win outside the division. But the Cowboys did do that yesterday. And because they did that, and looking at their schedule, I think they can win most of the games left on their schedule. This is the team I expected to see, the Cowboys, this year. Obviously with a different quarterback. But Andy Dalton looked good. And they played. They have played really well in the last two games. Lost to Pittsburgh and lost game, in a close game when they didn't have Andy Dalton. So I'm going to say the Cowboys, just based on their schedule, you know, Washington is the key game, obviously, on Thanksgiving. That's for first place. If they can win that one, every team, they're going to be favored or right in right there with the other teams, including Baltimore, which you would have said a few weeks ago was going to be a heavy favorite over the Cowboys. Rocketing around somewhere in my brain is the number 226-1, the NFC East record outside of the division going into last week. If that's true, and there's a very good chance it's not, They've doubled their wins to four 26-1 with Washington beating Cincinnati and Dallas beating Minnesota. So they're on their way. And look, I'm going to give in to recency bias here because when you only have three wins each for the entire season, winning yesterday means something. And I think whoever wins on Thursday night is going to have a shine about them and they're going to become the consensus favorites to keep it up over the final five weeks of the season at leapers 500 how do you evaluate drew lock this early into his career he hasn't even started a full season worth of games but he seems to have regressed why does Vic Fangio have this job will Denver ever improve without an owner let me start there Shireen because here's the problem in Denver there are two problems the first problem is John Elway has not done a good job of hiring coaches or finding quarterbacks Peyton Manning fell into his lap that we're both Hall of Fame quarterbacks thing helped the connection established back in 2012. But Elway has not been good at hiring coaches and finding quarterbacks. He stays in his job, though, because we don't know who the next owner of the Broncos will be. And one thing I pointed out over the weekend that got some traction locally, but we need to be paying attention to it nationally. The NFL is going to insist that one person eventually have full power over that franchise. And it's going to be hard to get all of the Boland children on the same page to give one of their siblings full power. They're not going to sign off potentially. They may have to sell the team. And I think until there is one owner, whoever it is, we're going to continue to have this process of lather, rinse, repeat. Coach, quarterback, coach, quarterback, John Elway always there. And until another Peyton Manning comes along, this team's going to continue to struggle. Yeah, it's almost like Elway needs to see that the quarterback has succeeded elsewhere to have him come to Denver and be successful. He can't draft him. He can't sign him. And Andrew Locke, injuries and turnovers have just plagued him over two years. And when you look at his passer rating and, and, and where he is, I mean, he's ahead of Darnold, Sam Darnold. So he has not been good this year. He was much better last season when he ended the season, but he had all those injuries early that, that kept him out. Uh, and now they are where they are again going, is he the quarterback of the future? And I think there's still a huge question there with Drew Locke. Yeah, absolutely. I had a lot of faith in him, but you have to stay healthy, and he hasn't, and that's rule number one. Lamar Jackson has stayed healthy, but he hasn't been effective. Matt Yvonne asks, given how Lamar Jackson has periodically struggled this year, should the Ravens wait to extend his contract until after the 2021 season, or should they re-sign him this offseason? Look, it all depends on what they think of him, Shireen, but it would be a great opportunity to buy low 
if they decide to approach him. Remember, he has no agent, which makes it easier, frankly, to sign him than if he did have an agent. Do it now while he's kind of softened up than if he's riding a huge season and may want more. So it all depends on how they view him as a long-term option, but they may be at that. The one good thing, if this season ends up being a disaster, they may be able to re-sign him to a second contract for a lot less. Yeah, that's the key thing, Mike. How do they feel about him? I mean, he looked so good last year, but even the passing numbers weren't great. He looked good because he did things on the fly and made plays with his feet and outside the pocket. And he's not doing those same things this season. He's still good with his feet, but he's not doing it in the passing game. And this is a team that is terrible passing the football. And if they don't get any better, you have to wonder how they truly feel about him. Is he their quarterback moving forward? Think about to Joe Flacco, right? They gave him the big deal, and it turned out that he wasn't the guy that they thought he was in the Super Bowl year. He did it the one year, but that appeared to be an aberration. And maybe last year was an aberration for Lamar Jackson, too. Yeah, I think unless they can get him to a great deal after this season, you wait and see what he does in 2021. All right, tonight the Tampa Bay Buccaneers seven and three hosting the Rams six and three, but the Bucks are one and two and easily could be zero and three in prime time. Bruce Arians moved practices tonight this week. There were some comments from Tom Brady on Friday that if you read between the lines, it's kind of like, hey, it's on us as professional football players to show up and play wherever and whenever. It doesn't matter that it's at night. We have to be ready to go. Period. Will they be ready to go tonight, Shereen? Well, they better be ready to go because I tell you what, Mike, we had a a question we didn't get to on Friday from the PFT PM Posse, and that question was, who do you think is the most underrated team in the league? And I think it's the Los Angeles Rams. They are now number one in total defense. This defense is really, really good, and we might as well just go ahead and give that defensive player of the award to Aaron Donald and maybe rename it in his honor too. This is a good (laughs) defense, and I think 48 is the over-under. Take the under. Yeah, and how do you put pressure on Tom Brady? When it comes around the edge, he is very adept at moving forward quickly. There was a moment earlier this year where it was almost a Madden glitch how quickly he moved forward when the pocket was starting to collapse around the outside. But when you can bring the heat up the middle, that's when you can beat Tom Brady. He starts looking down at the pass rush instead of down the field and if Aaron Donald is wreaking havoc it's going to be a long night for him in the pocket I think the Rams are going to win I think they're going to win which probably means that the Buccaneers will Shereen who do you have tonight Rams (laughs) yeah I have the Rams as well and I'm with you we probably just jinx the Rams well look and who knows this year and I like that I don't like the fact that we're expected to know what we're doing because the reality is Nobody knows, and that's when football <laughs> is at its most exciting. Nobody really knows. That's why they play the games. They'll be playing that game tonight in Tampa Bay. Enjoy that. We'll see you tomorrow. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.